Have you noticed everybody is talking about CBD oil? With that in mind, I partnered up with Joy Organics. With Joy Organics, you get quality THC-free products that is broad spectrum and made with hemp grown in the United States. It's third-party tested to make sure high standards are maintained. If you go to the link in the show notes to go to Joy Organics, you can order CBD soft gels, tinctures, salve, gummies, and so much more. They offer free shipping on orders over $50. If the order is under $50, shipping is only a flat rate of $5. And they offer you a 100% money-back guarantee if you do not care for the product. So again, go to the show notes where you will find a coupon for 15% off your order. Remember, every order supports the show to keep this show going while getting a fantastic product for you. Welcome to the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. My name is Jason Sacco, and I'm your host. As a 35-plus year Spondy, I'm looking to use this show to bring the Spondy community closer. I'll give my lifelong battle with AS to you. That includes triumphs, tragedies, and lessons. So sit back, enjoy, and know you are not alone. Welcome to this episode of the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. I can't tell you how excited I am today to have Dr. Levy Clark on. The reason is, is she is an ophthalmologist based in the Tampa, Florida area. And one of the things that affects not only myself, and I have the damage in my right eye to prove it, but many of us is the iritis, uveitis issues that we all deal with. So Dr. Levy Clark, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good, and I'm really honored to be here to talk to you and your audience. Well, the pleasure's all on my side. Now, we were talking a little bit as we got started, and I should have captured this previous, but could you tell me, I see a lot of people say, oh, I've got uveitis or I've got iritis. They're not exactly the same thing, but they deal with the eye. Is that correct? That is correct. So iritis is actually coming from the root word of iris. So it's inflammation of the iris. And some of the older textbooks will call it an iridocyclitis. So it's inflammation of the iris and the ciliary body. And the iris is the area in the middle of which you have your pupil. So when you have inflammation in the front part of your eye, that is called iritis. And it can also be called anterior uveitis. Oh, interesting. So when we go into an ophthalmologist as a patient and we, we have a flare coming up in our eyes, you are going to look at the eye and say, is this affecting front of the eye, back of the eye? Does somebody generally, can they get both to have the front and the back inflamed at the same time? Yes. So you can have inflammation that starts in the front of the eye and does not go anywhere else. It can start in the front of the eye and progress into the middle and into the back. Or you can even get the reverse. You can get inflammation that starts in the middle, goes into the back or comes forward, but it's primarily. When we give it a name, we're looking at where we think the initial focus of inflammation was. But we can look at the eye and at least tell you which parts of the eye is inflamed. Hmm. 
and I know there's lots of treatments from drops to when I had my first recorded bout of, of iritis, we didn't know what it was, and it progressed to get worse and worse and worse to a point where I could get up in the middle of the night and just the light from the street light would be like somebody was stabbing me in the eye. And it just so happened that it was a Sunday afternoon and I said, I got to go to the emergency room. We went there and it was just by luck. There was an ophthalmologist there and he came walking in and he was, he says, you're lucky. He says, I was just leaving, but he says, let's take a look. He goes, I had like cloths over my right eye. And he said, if this is what I think it is, you're not going to like the possible treatment that I have to do if it's as bad as you're saying. So he took the cloth off my eye, and he was Dutch. He was from the Netherlands. So he had a fairly thick accent. And I just remember him looking down, and he goes, this is going to hurt you because he says you're going to get hit with all the you know, the overhead hospital fluorescent lights. And yeah. he pulled the, the towel off my eye kind of opened my eye up a little bit and of course me I'm just gripping the table in pain and he goes all I can remember him saying is oh yeah that's a hot one and out came the first time and the only time I've ever had a shot into my eye so you you're describing the classic what the ankylosing spondylitis uveitis or iritis feels like it is a stabbing pain, and it can come on very suddenly. And if you don't treat it, it can progress rapidly. Yes, he told me I if I had not been in the emergency room that night, he said I was on the verge of losing that eye. It can be very, very serious. You've indicated something that's also very classic, and that is iritis or anterior uveitis. The most typical way that it presents is pain, redness, and extreme light sensitivity. And the light sensitivity is because every time the pupil sees the light, it's meant to be able to accommodate or get smaller. And so every time it's accommodating, because the inflammation is in the iris, that's the pain you're feeling the actual movement of the iris. And that is why part of the way that we treat you, it's not a therapy, but it's to help the pain. We will give you what we typically call the red top drop or a dilating drop. or And that will keep the iris still because if not, there's horrific pain every time you move your eye. Yes, very much so. So... As an ankylosing spondylitis patient, even if I haven't had, um, and and this I think crosses everybody, but you as a doctor, if I were to move into the Tampa Bay area, the St. Petersburg, Florida area, and saw your name, uh, one of the first things I would do as I'm rebuilding a doctor's staff is look for an ophthalmologist. If I called your office and said, I'm not having an issue now, here's my insurance, but I'm an ankylosing spondylitis patient that gets uveitis, iritis on occasion. Because that's not something we can plan for on a visit, I have not had an ophthalmologist tell me, no, don't call me. I've always seen them say, yes, let us know. We'll fit you in. We'll get you in. Yes. So 
um, it's yes and yes and yes for me, because not only am I an ophthalmologist, but I have additional training. I did a fellowship at the National Eye Institute, National Institutes of Health. So I did a two-year fellowship in ocular immunology, ocular immunology and uveitis. So what I do is I care for patients who have any form of autoimmune-related eye disease. And my clinic in St. Petersburg, Tampa, Florida, that is all I do. I'm a full-service consult for anyone who has an autoimmune disease. So in addition to telling patients that they can call me, whenever patients move into the area, they come and see me and they establish so that anytime they call, I know exactly what my plan is going to be. And I have a team of all of the rheumatologists in the area. They'll refer patients. They'll say, this patient does not have any eye symptoms, but they have ankylosing spondylitis, and I'll get, they'll get established with me. And I think that's huge, and I, I think a lot of people neglect that, is really if you have ankylosing spondylitis or really number of different autoimmune diseases, but I'll focus on AS, is to have your primary care doctor, your rheumatologist, a potential orthopedic surgeon that you know, and an ophthalmologist, and that's not in any particular yes. order, but you have that team together, and it's critical that they all have what I consider a good working relationship so that if my orthopedic surgeon, for whatever reason, needs to get a file or information from you, it's a simple staff calling staff, and boom, it's, yep, I know Dr. Smith, the orthopedic surgeon, and my patient is Jason. We'll get it right over to him. As long as all the appropriate HIPAA-signed forms are there, obviously. that That's going without saying. It's, it's a matter of having yeah. the team talk to each other. So I think that's fabulous. I mean, you're, all, you're, you're speaking my language. So I'm very, very um, passionate about forming a team for the patient. And I actually have, uh, I have an educational series that I'm doing online now with an enrichment group that I just started, and it is called Limbo. So part of what we're trying to do is help to build a community of patients who have autoimmune disease, not just the patients, but their friends and their family. And the very first series that I did, and that one, we don't have that one uploaded, but all the subsequent ones are now Google Hangouts. The first one that I did was, in order to be able to manage your disease, there are two key things you must have. You must be educated about your disease, so you must understand it. And the second key is, you must know who is on your team. And your team are all of the specialists who are managing your disease. And so one of the big things that I do in my office is I delegate myself as a team leader. So whenever the patient comes in, my job is to get a history on all the areas that you're having issues. And all those doctors are loaded into my EMR system. And every time you come to the office, they get a follow-up letter. Because I think it's really important that there's someone who is sort of the keeper of the key 
So I know when your last labs were. I know if you're planning to have surgery. I know if there's any change in any of your medication because it's really important to understand that the disease you have is systemic. It's presenting in your eye or your back or your skin, but it's a systemic disease. So all of the organs are connected. Now, I myself am on a biologic called Cosentix, which, as you're aware, is designed like some of the other biologics to keep inflammation at bay. Does that help Mm -hmm. to keep uveitis uveitis and iritis at bay as well? Yes. So the treatment for uveitis is your systemic treatment that you're on for your disease. And then we do adjunctive treatment. So if you come in and you're having a flare-up, we will give you topical or we can give you a regional or a periocular injection. But your long-term maintenance treatment is whatever systemic medication you're on. And that is why we're happy that a few years ago, for the first time ever, we have one approved biologic that can that you can get prescribed just for your eyes, but it has full indications for all of the other um, systemic manifestations. But whatever biologic you're on, that's your maintenance treatment for your eye, and the amount and the degree of the episodes that you're having will be determined by whether or not you're needing this systemic medication. Okay, so now because there can be other autoimmune issues that affect a person when they have ankylosing spondylitis, does that increase? Like if somebody had fibromyalgia as well as ankylosing spondylitis, would that potentially increase their chances of having uveitis or iritis episodes? So I'll tell you, in the clinic, uh, there are really um, two big categories, or I would say maybe two big and one small. So in the U.S., most of what we see are for patients who get uveitis, it's non-infectious causes. So that's your big autoimmune sort of basket. You do have to make sure it's not an infection. And in some of our older population, you can get something that's really a cancer. But the big group is the autoimmune group. And the autoimmune disease, they're all tied together. So somewhere between 25 and 30% of my patients are what we call the HLA-B27 positive patients. And I don't know if that's something you're aware of. So that's a specific type of, you know, uh, genetic testing that we can do to see if you have a risk, a tendency, a familial tendency to develop a group of autoimmune disease. And I refer to them as a family. So you could have ankylosis, spondylitis, psoriatic arthritis, reactive arthritis, ulcerative colitis, all of these, and uveitis, they're all tied together in the same family. 
I wouldn't say that you necessarily have a risk that's greater, but I can tell you that typically, if you're going to have just one manifestation, it tends to be that one. But at any point in your lifetime, you can get the others. So I have um, patients who come to me, and all they have is just the uveitis. And then 10 years later, they complain of something else. Or patients who've had just the AS, and then 10 years later, they get their first eye episode. So they're all sort of a mixed bag, and there's really no way to determine if one will put you at risk to get more, to get the other one. The good news is whatever medication you're on, systemically, it should help to treat all of them as a group. Oh, okay. And yes, I am HLA B27 positive. Um, yes. Now, we neither... My father, who's since passed away last year, he was never tested to see if he was positive for it. My mother, mm-hmm. who's still alive, she's never been tested for it. So we don't know what the familial line is, whether it came from a father or, or mother. Uh, both of them. No. And I was just going to say, both of them are first-generation American. So beyond that, we okay. really don't know any family prior to that. So the HLA-B27, we call it a haplotype, or it's in your pool of genes. You can get it from any of of your parents. It's not an hereditary disease. It's just a genetic predilection. But I'll tell you what we tend to see is if you look through your family history, if you have enough um, generations. So what I typically see is if a young man comes in the office and I go back and I look, you might have an aunt or an uncle who has it, even though neither of your parents. And if a young woman come in, neither parent will have it, but she'll have an uncle. Every once in a while, I've had the same direct family. So I've had, I've had a father and a son, but it's not an hereditary disease. It's really just a genetic predilection. It's basically in your gene pool and anybody with that gene pool will have the, the possibility of, of, of getting the disease. And not everybody with the HLA-B27 will develop it, but we do believe it gives you a higher risk of developing the disease. Oh, okay. When we look at that, we've got an ophthalmologist, and you, you for your patients, kind of serve as that quarterback, that repository of being able to say, here's what's happening through all the treatment for my patients. I can tell you yes. what's going on here, there. One yes. thing I've always wondered Generally in America, as you age, by the time you hit 60, 65, people start to look at possibly having cataract surgery. Yeah. Does that help with, like, where I'm going with this is my right eye, I have floaters, cloudy vision. Um, there's it, it would never be 2020 again just because of the damage that's been done in it. Right. But I've had a mention at one time, 
something i don't remember how it came about but one of the doctors said oh you'll end up having cataract surgery someday in the future because of the damage done to your eyes so there are two ways that you can develop cataracts as a patient who has an autoimmune disease and as a patient who's had uveitis so the first way is taking prednisone in any of its form can increase your chances of getting cataracts earlier than you appears. So say if your father or mother does not have an autoimmune disease, they might get their cataracts requiring surgery in their 60s or 70s or 80s. Well, I have many patients in my practice who have AS and they already have their cataracts out by the time they're 40. The reason is because, again, three ways. Taking any long-term steroids, corticosteroids, that is, either by mouth or by injection around the eye or by drops. All of those will cause you to develop cataracts early. The second reason is because the inflammation that is in the eye, that can actually trigger what we call an inflammatory cataract. And then the final reason is just really sort of a, a combination of both, an eye that's been damaged, an eye that's getting drops, and the systemic disease that you have, you do end up getting your cataracts earlier, and it's a more difficult cataract to manage. And that's also something I'll try to see if, if I can um, send you a link to that, too. I just did a publication for the American Academy of Ophthalmology, and it's called Cataract and Uveitis. Oh, and wow. the, really the take-home message is you've got to make sure that your systemic disease is quiet and well-controlled because that is the key. Whenever you cut into the eye, you trigger inflammation. And so anybody who's going to have cataract surgery, that's why anybody who has cataract surgery, they have to do drops for a while. But when you have uveitis, it is critical that you have someone managing you who understands that inflammation. And that is one of the things that I specialize in. I don't do any cataract surgery myself, although I'm trained. My training now, the focus of my, of my practice is medical management of people with uveitis. And one of the things that I really stress is making sure that I see you before the cataract surgery, understand your inflammation, and guide the surgeons about how we're going to manage you before, <laughs> during, and after. So we call that period the perioperative period, because unfortunately, if that's not managed, even if you get great surgery done, you can still end up with just terrible results. And, you know, when I send you that link, you know, I even have, we have a nice uh, little video clip in there that shows that one of the things that I know you know about, which is called the posterior sneakia. So if you have that scarring, it makes the surgery more difficult. And so 
special precautions have to be taken for that reason. Okay. Yeah, I have. I developed a, a floater in my eye, and last summer I was kind of working or helping my parents do some stuff in their yard, and I couldn't. I'm going. I'm swatting at this bug in front of my face. I'm going. Why won't this <laughs> bug leave? And I said, it's driving me insane. And then I, I happened to, mm-hmm. you know, in my out in the yard, there's those little gnats, those little no So I just thought that was yeah. kind of what was, and I'm going, this darn bug won't go. And I'm swatting <laughs> at my eye and I'm swatting at my eye. And here comes my mom and she goes, what are you doing? And I said, this bug will not leave me alone. It keeps floating in front of my face. She goes, what bug? And I'm like, there's a little black <laughs> gnat just going back and forth. <laughs> She goes, there's no oh, bug boy. around you. So I stepped out in the sunlight. And I said, well, let's see if it follows me. And I stepped out in the sunlight, and I'm like, there it goes. There it goes. And she goes, there's nothing there. And I'm like, really? And so there happened to be, we live in a very small town. And so I just happened to stop into the eyeglass place after I left their house. And I said, I'm seeing a black bug that constantly is going from right to left across my face. The doctor, young guy that I know, he says, come back. He looked, he goes, no, 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 you've developed a floater, You're, you've had, and I don't remember yeah. what he said, but he says, something in the back is folded, and so he goes, that's what you're seeing, as he says, you're, he says, it's not a bug, so I said, well, thank God, because I was going crazy trying to get this thing away from me. Yes, the, the, the back, the middle part of your eye is kept in place, it gets its shape, or turger, because of the vitreous, the vitreous is a gel. And if that gel starts to degenerate, it liquefies. And that usually happens normally. But because you've had inflammation, it's a little bit early. So what you're, see is, you're seeing is a liquefied portion. And it gets accentuated when you look into, when you're in a lighted area. Because what you're really seeing is the shadow is casting. That's what that, that, that floater is. It's moving, but you're seeing the black shadow that is casting on your, on your um, retina. Yeah. I was just going to say, when you mentioned that liquefying, I'm like, oh, that's exactly yeah. what he said. Yeah. Now, last thing I know, because I don't want to eat into a lot of your time today, doctor, cause I, uh, but I really appreciate this, is let's say that I'm a patient of yours. I'm not having any issues with iritis or uveitis. That doesn't mean I shouldn't come in and see you. How often should I be doing follow-ups with my ophthalmologist? I think that anyone who has a diagnosed autoimmune disease that could affect the eye at any point, you should have a regular annual exam. If you have a diagnosis of iritis or uveitis, and you have a fair amount of, of um, secondary um, changes, then I think even twice a year might not be um, unusual. The one thing that I would say is sometimes what you want to make sure is that you're not having just small amount of kind of chronic inflammation because later on that will damage your eyes even more. So I usually like to, you know, examine the patient and make sure there's nothing more we need to do 
to really control the inflammation in the eye because later on it's going to affect your eye and you can end up with scarring. You can end up with like a, a membrane forming, different things that are more complicated and sometimes not reversible. So definitely once a year. And then if you have specific issues that you have to go in more often for, the ophthalmologist will be able to guide you in that regard. Got it. So that if I'm not having those issues, like say my my rheumatologist or my orthopedic surgeon, I should plan at least a once a year visit. And then yes. if we're seeing something else in there, you can say, oh, I need to see yes. you in three months, six months, a week, whatever exactly. it is. Whatever it is. Exactly. Well, Dr. Levy-Clark, I can't thank you enough for your time. For anybody listening again, you are at the Tampa Bay Uveitis Center. In the show notes, I will have a link to your website as well as the Google Hangout items you send and a link to your article so that my listeners can yeah. go ahead and read those items and see more in-depth information on the iritis slash uveitis because it's something that I always tell folks, even if you've never had it and you have AS or whatever, plan for the eventuality of probably getting it. And it's better to know, oh, why is my eye getting yeah. so hurtful? Or have your spouse or caregiver look at you and say, your eye's not looking so good. Is it hurting? You know, instead of you just saying, oh, it'll be fine in a day or so. It's an allergy, whatever. Now, come on, let's get in the car and take you over to see the doctor. And I, and I have to agree, Jason, that one of the biggest thing we see is the patient will come and they'll be able to tell me of three or four episodes that was diagnosed as pink eye. And sometimes that delay can cause a lot of issues. And so that's the reason why knowing that you could get it, the minute you feel that you know that where you want to do is get in with someone who's an ophthalmologist or a or an eye physician, because if you delay, it can make a big difference in the prognosis. Well, thank you again so much for your time. I, I can't thank you enough. It was my pleasure, and I look forward to talking to you in the future. And I'm up north here, so please send me some warm weather. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, stay warm and stay safe. Thank you again, and you have a wonderful afternoon, and and uh, good luck down there. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.